are showing us the beauty of feeling a full experience. Never apologize for your tears. The fact that you feel <laughs> so deeply about your friendship that it brings you to tears is gorgeous and deserves nothing but that kind of language to describe it. Because it's not about losing control, being too much. It's about being the expression of what we all feel but can't access. And you give us permission by expressing it to feel it deeper in our body. Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let the Rest Burn. This is Coco Nelson, and I am here with two amazing women, Emily and Steph. They are Cycle Chats. It's a podcast to help women break the cycle by empowering them through education and inspiring them to start changing the narrative. We're going to dig into what that means and how you ladies found yourself here but first of all, I would love for you to just say hello, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do outside of just the podcast as well. Emily, why don't you uh, take it off first? Yeah. Me first. Okay, cool. I usually ask stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look at um, that. <laughs> so my name is Emily. Outside of the podcast, I am a college professor. I teach at two local colleges here in Florida. I teach theater education, so I'm inspiring the next generation of theater goers, non-theater goers, the importance of what live theater is to our society, to each other, what it means to your celebration of self, and just what it really can do to help kind of build bridges between people. So that is kind of what I do outside of the podcast. It's my day job, so <laughs> so to be, so to say. Yeah, and I'm Stephanie, and my day job is I am lead artist and manager over at a glam studio. So it is a full-scale makeup and production house. Mm. And we do anything from on-location weddings to video shoots to special effects to maternity shoots, you name it, we do it. We do hair and makeup as well. Um, But I particularly just do makeup, have been a makeup artist for gosh, I think like 14 years now we're going on. Um, So been in the industry quite a long time. And then I also from time to time will teach children's theater because that is actually how Emily and I met was through a children's theater. And But it unfortunately closed down during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so as we figured out what we were doing, I did find myself in another studio. And I just do that once a week. I teach the little kiddos how to sing and act. So that's it. That's what I do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so before we dig into what you had to burn to be the ladies that you are today, tell me what brought you to the podcast Cycle Chats. How did this emerge for you, ladies? So it's kind of a weird story. <laughs> I love this. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so Stephanie and I, I sh- should probably start with how we met. Stephanie and I were both working professionally at a theater that has since closed, but it was an old movie theater. And so there was two separate theaters. Stephanie was working backstage. I was on stage. And every day I had this ritual where I'd go and I'd put on this pink lipstick. And without my knowledge, Stephanie <laughs> Was watching like me through the coat every rack day on my <laughs> yeah, side of put the theater. Lipstick yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, so I, so one day I approached her. She always says that I approached her angrily when she like it caught me off this guard. Story. Truly, I, I don't remember it this way, but it's fine. We all we each have our own. <laughs> you know what's funny that we're living is within. I think that now that Emily and I have gotten to know each other more, I see it a lot differently. A, I think I was already feeling fearful that she was going to see me like stalking her through the the coat rack. And then B, I just wasn't expecting her to be so forward. Mm-hmm. And so as as our relationship has grown, I have seen that when Emily needs something and she's on a mission, and much like myself, it comes off very direct. Mm-hmm. So I will I will take I will retract my statement that I was <laughs> assaulted by Emily, and rather say that she I was, was a, by she was a woman. She was I will not retract that statement. She was a woman on a mission. So. Yeah, I was. I was a woman on a mission. But Stephanie is a makeup artist, like she said, and I needed somebody to do my makeup for the wedding. So like basically I went up to her thinking I was smiley and happy and then I was like, I heard you do makeup. (laughs) She started with, uh, hey. And I was like, and so already. (laughs) I've been found out. (laughs) But it, it ended up that we exchanged phone numbers. I didn't message her for a while. I still wasn't getting married for like another year and a half or two. So it was a long time away. I was just I am type A and I needed it to get done now. And then we had also known each other sporadically through a really good friend of ours. So I had known who Stephanie was. That was my first interaction with her. And then a few months later, that same friend got me a job at that children's theater that Stephanie had already worked at. And one day we just like – she was sitting there. I kind of approached her and I think I just asked her point blank like a crazy question of why she wasn't with this other man. And I think that just kind of started the friendship. I think that's what it was. I remember being on stage. (laughs) You know which man. Not the man that you were with. The other man. Oh, yeah. It was girls' night. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we were – yeah. So we had gotten to know each other. We were in the car. And she's like, you've been saying this guy's name a lot. Like, what's the deal? And I was like, what do you mean, what's the deal? It's it's such – it's a story that in and of itself was crazy, wonderful. Yeah. here we are now, <laughs> several yeah. years later. So we we fa- we fast forward that we become very good friends, and the uh, the pandemic happens. We lose our jobs. That children's mm-hmm. theater closes. Mm-hmm. I was out in California on a national tour that I'm part of called Old Jews Telling Jokes. Love it. And that had to close early. Yes, it's super fun. It's a great show. Um, and that closed early, so I had to come home. So I lost that job. <laughs> and as Stephanie says the best, we were kind of swimming in a pool with of nothingness with margaritas and martinis, not knowing what to do. And about six months into the pandemic, our same friend that kind of introduced us was like, hey, do you want to start like a menstruation subscription box company? Actually, what happened what? is that she texted us that oh, she had true. her period. 
And she was like, man, I don't want to leave the house. I just want something to come to me. Mm. And like Emily's like, oh, like a subscription box. And then it just – Boom. And then I was – I think I said – I was like, oh, are we making this a business? And I think it was a joke at first and then it wasn't. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, God. Then then we dived in. We we really – we we went straight to the deep Mm. end. And we opened that business, which has since closed. Times were Mm -hmm. hard and we tried our best. But Cycle Chats kind of grew out of that idea Mm. so that it was the education aspect of that box so that people could – who that were ordering the box could come get education about their cycles by people that actually went and studied this. And we could learn more on the journey as well. Uh, And then like Stephanie says, Cycle Chats had her own idea of what she wanted to do, who she wanted to be, the questions she wanted to ask. And – Within that first interview, the whole game changed Um, because not once did I ask the question of your first period story, which was kind of the whole thing. So it just – she really knew who she wanted to be and it's been two and a half years and we haven't looked back. Mm, I love that. I love a good origin story, right? Like the the founding story of who you've become today and Mm -hmm. that's part of – that's part of this podcast to a degree. Like let the rest burn is about like what actually got us to the place in which we have been mm-hmm. founded. And I think it's a journey, right? We're, we're, we're going to continue to burn some shit to the ground as things go. So I, I love hearing what's led you to today. So then we can talk about like those moments that were hard, those moments that, that kind of pushed you to your edge and got you to a place where you get to be in this space of, of living at the edge of your fullness, right? And let the rest burn. I don't know if I told you this separately, but it's a quote from Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. about women needing to kind of detox themselves from everything that isn't them and step into their fullness and then yeah. let the rest burn. It's a really yeah. powerful quote. I got it tattooed right here. I love that. Oh, did that hurt? The it didn't actually. It wasn't too bad, but it was. It, oh, wow. it was Good also like I was already kind of buzzing because I think I had uh, a couple of other tattoos that got done at the same time. So it was like my body was already oh, wow. in that space, you. like in that elevated space. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Woo. And it was super quick. I had such a good tattoo artist, and so. So I love having these conversations, especially with um, women who have taken what I would say like an unconventional path to life. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of paths that are quite unconventional, but in general, these conversations get really interesting when we figure out how did I land here? How did I arrive to where I am today? And full disclosure to my audience, I met uh, these ladies at PodFest when a conference for podfesters that we were at and it's like I did like an Emily (laughs) to Steph I'm pretty sure I was like yeah (laughs) wait a second tell me what your human design is and don't even ask me why or how that started there was just for some reason I was asking somebody if you knew what your human design was either way I I like stopped you as we were like walking past each other. Yeah, I think one of our podcaster friends you had met yes. prior to. Yes. And okay. We were walking to go have dinner or like go do something with someone else. And we bumped into you and he's like, oh, have you met so and so? And I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, and I think we just started talking and it just, it kind of, it just started flowing. And then so- you're like, have you heard of human design? I'm like, I don't know what that is. And then you educated me and like all of a sudden, 
Emily and I now on the three hour car ride back to where we live. Oh talked about it the entire t- I looked up her chart I looked up her husband's chart husband, yep. we were looking up everyone's chart in our life we were like this makes so much sense now <laughs> it's amazing I, I love how I casually just like disrupted your life this is like this is like my my vibe <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that oh no I loved it and like you made me feel like such a celebrity I was wow. like oh my god I feel so special but it it also too like it really helped put a couple things into perspective for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Yes. And like just little odd things that I would notice would be reoccurring comments people would make to me started to click into place. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow. So it's so been for, cool to learn about that. But yes. For those of you that don't know, and if you're listening to my podcast, you probably do know. But for those of you that don't know, uh, I'll put a link to what human design is in the show notes. But – our lovely Stephanie here is a reflector, which is extremely rare, like extremely rare. And so when I found out she was a reflector by literally putting her birth information into my phone, because that's how personal <laughs> I got real quick. <laughs> I was like, let's do it. Give me all your things. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what you are. And I like literally couldn't breathe. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. I've only met other one other reflector and she was an amazing photographer on one of the tr- retreats I went on. So it makes sense that you do makeup, by the way. Like you're reflecting our truth back to us. And I was like speechless and probably like a cocktail or two in. Let's be clear. Okay. Like I definitely had had an exaggerated response, but at the same time, <laughs> Like truly felt how I felt. And what what gets me excited, and this is like truth, true honesty, what gets me excited is I know I'm about to change your life. Like when when somebody who like whether you're a projector or a reflector or even a manifester, if you're a Manny Gen or a generator, you're like all of us. So (laughs) Emily, what are you? I'm a manifesting generator. So you're like the general population. We'll talk about that shortly. But we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like people are kind of like me. I'm different. But, you know, we operate similarly. But like projectors, manifestors, and especially reflectors are taught or try to adapt to whatever the general population do. So when I find out somebody is one of those three, I know that when they find out that they actually are meant to operate differently, it frees them from this place of constraint of having to operate like everybody else. So the feeling inside of me is just like, I'm about to give them permission to be themselves. <laughs> and it just that's my like little therapist is like, woohoo. So all of a sudden the lights go dark, one spotlight. She just yes. breaks out into a musical number. That's pretty much it. Yep. It's like that that song that changes everything for all the characters in the story. That's me. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was that was super cool and it was one of those things that like it even got Emily and I to start talking about, you know, how we cuz that's that's an ongoing conversation for the two of us is mm-hmm. how we operate within this podcast. Cuz it's one thing to do this venture by yourself. It's different to have it with a partner because you do have to meet halfway and yes. there are going to be things that you're annoyed with, but and there's also going to be things that you absolutely adore. Like I could not imagine doing a podcast alone because it just simply the experience that I have and continue to have with Emily is so good and mm. so rich. And to me, that's been the beauty of it. And that's kind of where I feel like we balance each other out. So it was it was definitely very interesting to like read those charts and then be able to go, oh, and then like read 
how the two of those things can work together yes. in a more efficient way. Yes. Emily, did you know you were a manifesting generator before Steph came in and was like, let me tell you about human design? So I knew what human design was because I remember like a year, year mm-hmm. and a half ago, whenever it became really, really trendy yes. online. I was like, oh, this seems interesting. Um, but I had never done really my chart. I had only kind of heard what the – the differences were and kind of decided myself what I thought I was. <laughs> and then when Steph did it in the car for, for us, it was basically mm-hmm. right on. I mean, it was it was freaky. She was saying some of the things and I'm like, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, and my yeah. husband's like staring He's at like, me, mm-hmm. giving me like looks like, you want, yeah, you see? Yeah, But understand. then we did his I'm chart like, oh, okay. and he was like, oh, yeah. well. And I'm staring at him <laughs> doing those same looks. I was like, you see? You understand? <laughs> So it was a very fun car ride. We had a great three hours back uh, just kind of discussing how crazy it is that humans are so different and so similar. It's amazing. Love that. Uh, but I mean, everything that it was saying was was very correct. And like Steph said, it's something that we deal with on a daily basis in mm-hmm. our business because we do act and work so differently that it is extremely difficult for me to understand how Stephanie Mm -hmm. works. And I think it is extremely difficult for her to understand how I work, right? So it is is sometimes the bane of, I think, probably both of our existences that we work so differently (laughs) because it's frustrating that the other person doesn't work the way that we want them Mm -hmm. to work. But that's also the beauty of our friendship is that we're able to have these moments where I want to wring Stephanie's neck and like have a conversation instead of it coming to physical violence. <laughs> no, it's, As Stephanie you know, it, I think what it teaches us is patience and understanding. Mm. So definitely teaching Emily patience with me and teaching me understanding with Emily. Yes. And I think that's what's been cool about it is because you could dismiss somebody super easy and just be like, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're too worried or you're not worried enough. But instead, we've taken the time to – and we do. We check in with each other and we say, hey, like, how are you feeling? How, you how are you? Yeah. And yes. Emily's really, really good at reading when I'm – I've hit my limit. Mm-hmm. And I'm also really good at reading when she's hit hers. Yes. And there are times where we just have to take a step back and, you know, we send each other little hearts and kissy emojis to be like, hey – Still here, still love you. Just got to breathe for a second. Yeah, it's really interesting how our friendship started Mm -hmm. without the business being part of it at all. And then going into business, seeing how Stephanie acted and how it kind of therefore was starting to trickle into our Mm -hmm. friendship. So I think that's also been an interesting development to see kind of how we were as friends and now as business partners and friends and how we really have to like work at balancing the two because sometimes I'll have a really hard time like shutting off my cycle chats brain and I'll bring something Mm -hmm. to our attention at girls night and I'm like sorry I know we're not working but it's just it is 24 7 when you are an entrepreneur and it's it's just difficult when you know my my brain literally doesn't stop I I just I I can't stop my brain so I need to regurgitate information that's inside Mm -hmm. of it but it it is definitely a it is a lovely balancing act that I think we are still yeah. working on how to perfect. And I don't know if we're ever going to perfect it entirely, but I 
we're getting that's the fun of it though is i think it ebbs and flows and it changes i would say so this podcast is all about burning it to the ground and then Mm -hmm. keeping what resonates and then leaving the rest for us i would say it's true that when I, I mean, I don't know what else to call it other than a mental breakdown mm-hmm. towards mid pandemic. I, I think two or three months later, I got a job in healthcare Ooh. and I wasn't even like working physically in it. I was doing the billing mm-hmm. and I just was so lost and miserable. And I just remember the day that like I was looking at a piece of paper, like flapping in the breeze of an mm-hmm. oscillating fan about some sort of a meeting happening mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it like there's a movie. Uh, I believe the movie's called Soul from yes. Pixar. Yep, where it's all of the lost souls, and then they like wake up, and the guy's like in his job, and he looks around, and he's like, yes. "Oh my god, I quit!" And then he goes and like lives his life. That's literally what happened. Is I felt like I was one of those walking mm-hmm. zombies, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, I like woke up, and I realized I had been wasting mm-hmm. time. I was like, "Oh." when I have this, this, and this, I finally made it. Like somehow my life had purpose and meaning if I was married, had kids, had the stable nine to five, had the benefits, had all like Mm -hmm. what I was raised to believe I should have. And also physically how I looked, how I presented myself. Like I wanted to do all these crazy things, but I was like, oh, I have to wait for the right time and the right time, the right time. And all of a sudden I was like, what? Oh my God. And I like, I just remember feeling this overwhelming sensation of except mine wasn't get out of my chair, clap and tell everyone to like screw off. It was, (laughs) I don't know where else to go with this feeling. And just the waves of reality came crushing down. Mm. I ended up dealing with some, some pretty heavy, not wanting to be here thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I called my parents and my mom had kind of known in the past I struggled with mental health, but this was the first time that I well, I called my brother and he called my parents because mm-hmm. he's like, I'd never heard you talk like this. Yeah. And I finally told my dad he because I had never said – I kind of was raised with this thought that like if you off yourself, you're selfish. Mm. And to a certain extent, it's selfish to the people that are still alive because mm-hmm. they miss you very much. Right. To someone who's struggling with it, in that moment, mm-hmm. you don't realize that it is a – permanent solution for a temporary problem and it absolutely you can get better and you can advocate for yourself to like pull yourself from those thoughts like it's not permanent Mm -hmm. and so I finally just told my dad I was like I just don't want to be here anymore I just Mm -hmm. don't want to be and I and I said it and then I ended up taking time off work but then the time ended up turning out into me going into the hospital because I was having all sorts of crazy symptoms and I Mm -hmm. truly it was my body was rebelling yep and it was I had finally hit the point of no return. Like there, it could not go, my anxiety could not go anywhere Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up developing an anxiety disorder and panic disorder. Um, And so I went to the hospital twice. And while I was in the hospital the first time that discharged me the first day, they were like, I don't know, maybe you have heart problems, go to a cardiologist. I'm like, great, thanks. (laughs) Second time was they kept me for a few days because I was having psychosomatic symptoms, which Mm -hmm. nerd alert, your body and your brain when it's trying to protect you from something will make you have the craziest symptoms i was like my one leg was shaking Mm -hmm. it's done that one time it has never done it again since i've been since two or three years ago like it's and there's been a lot of things that i was it just they just kind of happen and it's just your body's way of trying to protect you it's it's like a it's like a helicopter parent Mm -hmm. and 
the second time I was in the hospital when I got discharged, I don't think really anyone understood the extent of what was happening. Mm -hmm. We had this podcast, we had the other business Mm -hmm. and we were trying to balance that. And I was already not very present. And I just remember texting Emily and our other friend and I was like, I need to focus on my mental health. I had never really done that before. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like Emily texted back and it was very sharp. Now back story to that I was supposed to watch her dog, I believe, or your dad's dog. I was supposed to watch somebody's animals, her animals. And it was like two days before she was leaving. So she had other things she needed to attend to, to make sure that that was taken care of. And that was the first time that her and I like, it had like a moment Mm -hmm. where she was very frustrated, but that was her being scared. Mm-hmm. And I had texted her back like, I don't even know what's going on and I'm scared as well. Mm-hmm. And we grew so much through that yeah. because, again, it it taught us that, A, shit just happens. Mm-hmm. It just happens and there is nothing – like worrying about it, freaking out about it isn't going to do anything. Shit happens. But the way that you come together to help fix it is what's important. And she was there while she didn't understand totally in the beginning. I didn't even, we actually started learning together mm-hmm. and it helped us tremendously in our ability to communicate. And I think prior to that, we had, we had been maybe a little bit afraid mm-hmm. to speak up to each other that eradicated any little piece of that. And yeah, so we burned it to the ground. W- we burned all of the way that like people pleasing thing to the ground. Mm-hmm. She's more of a sister now than anything. And like we, I wouldn't even say recently, we don't fight, but like we had a, we had a tiff and I was like, I have to get off the phone because I don't want to say anything mean. She's like, okay, have a good day. And I was like, mm-hmm. we didn't talk for the day. And like, she was crying to her husband. I was crying to my mom. And I was like, <laughs> and then like we wrote each other letters and we didn't even realize it. And she sent me, she's like, hey, I wrote this. And I was like, I wrote this. We literally wrote the same letter. What? From like the diff, it was about, but the weird thing is it wasn't even about what we had originally gotten into a tiff about. It was about something that had been building. Wow. And in, and again, it it kind of recalled back to, when one of us, we're both try to be superheroes and try to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't need mm-hmm. help. I'm an independent woman. Mm-hmm. And we have to call each other out on the bullshit mm-hmm. and be like, you do need help. It's okay. Let me help you. And so like that was – that's something that I feel like helped because if that was us pre the mental breakdown – Mm-hmm. I think it would have never even gotten brought up and it was still built and been passive aggressive and uncomfortable. And instead we both felt comfortable enough to be uncomfortable for a little mm-hmm. bit. And then I felt like I loved her even more that we were able, like she's crying, I'm crying, we're crying on the phone, we're reading these letters. We're like, oh my God, you know, it's like, it. I don't know. It just, it's, I think those are, don't be afraid to have those moments mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. and to get a little messy because you'll see that the ones who really mean something, the patience, the understanding, the learning together, it, it happens and it you become better for it. So mm. thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I realized I just took like 15 full minutes to tell this no. story. <laughs> Stephanie, here's, here's the best part. Number one, reflectors are like waves and I love it so much. So I just – I'm just like – 
I'm literally being splashed with brilliance. So yes, just like wave, wave away because then you'll, <laughs> then you'll come back, you'll build a new wave again. Right. So yeah. we're holding space for you to be authentically you in your full capacity, which means you get to take up time. So that's oh, number thank one. You. Thank you. Number two um, obviously I'm going to have Emily come in and speak here in a moment, but I want to speak to a couple things in between. One of my most powerful tools I'll say that I have as a mentor, previous therapist is bringing women together to connect on a mm-hmm. deeply vulnerable level in the midst of mental breakdowns to co-create an experience of absolute sisterhood in a way that that is irreplaceable because we don't get this real very often. And it it's oftentimes a trauma or an experience of catharsis that pulls those walls down. And so having women that get you, can hold you accountable, have seen you through the storm is a lifeline for, for all of us that we need. And we've become increasingly isolated as women and increasingly placed in competition with one another. So part of, of what I disrupt by creating retreats and, and circles and the different things that I do is exactly that. So you, you are both demonstrating the importance of what it looks like to get extremely real with someone, not just because you're in business with one another, but because you're both committed to the long-term vision of being in each other's lives. And oh, that is yeah. some real shit, right? I want to say one thing to the to suicidality. Simply, you know, I'm going to pull my therapist note in here. Number one, cool. thank you for being real and authentic about that. Sometimes it's hard to talk about, and I appreciate your yes. vulnerability. I want to say this because I think there's listeners who will relate to this, and I just want to say it out loud. Suicidal ideation is more common than you think in the sense of like, I don't want to be here. I don't know what to do. I've reached the end. And our brain naturally pulls up options because we always want to have choice, right? I just learned that I had a, a, a psychologist teach me this and it brought me an immense amount of comfort in dark moments. Like when that feeling does sometimes pop yes. up, I'm able to be like, uh-uh, we have options. But yes, please continue because I love yes, this. But that's, this is such a great fact. It is like it brings up choices and one of those choices happens to be death right? So we get freaked out by that choice. We get panicked about it because we're like, oh my gosh, I've never actually thought of that as a choice before. Now that I'm thinking of it, like there's there's something wrong with, it, wrong with me and you panic and panic and panic and panic and you tend to spiral into this place of like real struggle. When the moment of choice comes up, you can accept and embrace and have some compassion for your wary soul that has reached a place of, I'm at a point of no return and I need more choices than just this one. So the question isn't, do I want to live or die? The question is, like, I need to find more options because what's working right now or what I'm doing right now is no longer working and this is no longer a choice. This is not a choice I want to make, being death, right? And oftentimes, the the parts that get scary where people do turn to actual suicide is when these choices are A, not presented, or they don't have the support to find those choices. They don't have a person to help them guide towards those choices, or they play those choices out and they get the same result. And this is where things get scary, right? So for anybody listening, if you're in these circumstances, number one, know that you're not alone. Number two, know that suicidal ideation is very different than suicidal intent, 
And that talking to somebody gives you perspective and gives you the opportunity to create different choices so that no longer are we facing just one mm-hmm. and and putting our place our self in a position of panic because of that. The human brain is one of the coolest things ever. Going through I would not ever recommend going through zero out of 10 would not recommend going through an anxiety disorder was not fun. <laughs> but I will say that it was it's fascinating mm-hmm. when my body mimics like I'll be like well this is the big one I guess I'm going to kick it and then like I don't and I'm mm-hmm. like wild you know it's it it allows you to just see like truly how powerful your brain is and like yes. and it uh, makes you more aware and kind of to speak on real quickly suicide intent versus uh, mm-hmm. suicidal ideation my one friend and she's not had an attempt in a very long time but and I'm proud of her for that but she had attempted it and I sat with her and we've grown up since childhood and I said what is it like when you think about it what do you feel she said it brings me an immense amount of peace mm-hmm. and cuz she she was kind of coaching me through it cuz I'm like wonder mm-hmm. if I do it wonder if I do it and she goes Steph, I think you're dealing with ideation and not what I deal with. Mm-hmm. She's like, because you're really afraid of it. And she goes, but it's still – both of those things are still valid and it's still okay to like talk to someone. Yes. And weirdly enough, we, I made a joke. I said, well, if you do it, then I got to do it. And we've got a bunch of people we've just disappointed because we're not here. And she goes, you made that as a joke, but you actually stopped me from doing it mm-hmm. because I I didn't want you – to go through what I go through. Mm -hmm. And so like reaching out, I think something I want to say is like reach out to your friends that seem like they've got it all together because she really did. Beautiful, intelligent, great job, killer body. I mean like she – like if you looked at her on paper, you're like, my God, what a babe. Mm -hmm. But she was struggling immensely on the inside. Mm -hmm. And by just talking to her and like having that time – and even just letting her be there because she would call me and she'd be like, I'm I'm calling you to tell you that I don't feel good right now mm-hmm. and I just need you to help me get through this moment. That was huge because she had never done that before because as we know, depression will make you feel like you're in a club all on your own yes. when there's literally a hundred other people that are in the exact same club. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's just faced a different way. Yes. <laughs> you can't see each other. Yes. You know? yes. And once you turn around, you're like, oh. I guess I'm, I really am not alone and I'm loved and just like holding space to just allow her to feel. So that was just a little, little side, side tangent. It's, and again, anytime we speak about this in any forum, it's important to provide resources. And I think obviously like this conversation, just being able to listen to it, somebody hearing it Mm -hmm. is powerful in itself. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. Emily, I'm going to step in here. Two questions for you. Number one. I just would love your reflections on what Stephanie said and and what's like coming up for you. And number two, when you've completed that task, <laughs> what did you have to burn to get to where you are today? Okay. So I lived this mm-hmm. with Stephanie. So I've been a part of her journey for I think it's almost two and a half or three years now That's since so the – panic attack that's weird uh, huh? And the anxiety i think because sometimes i'm like oh it um, just happened mm-hmm. no it didn't just happen that's it wild. was at least two yeah. years ago so i have become 
so much more aware mm. of things. Mm-hmm. We spoke about this on, a, on another podcast and it all, almost brought me to tears. I'm going to try not to do that today. But one of my greatest regrets is the fact that I did not mention to Stephanie that I could see that things were mm. bad and it just – I didn't want it to become a thing where like, I don't know, she was very- I was okay. also very Oop, defensive. Nope, I'm not it's gonna, okay. You can be honest. I am not going to cry. You, no, I'm also You not get to cry. cry. This, is a, this is a therapeutic yeah. podcast. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> Stephanie and I are very close. She is my best friend. Yep. yep. There it is. And trying to tell somebody that there is something wrong and then perhaps them mm. shutting mm-hmm. you down and maybe not being a part of your life yeah. anymore was frightening. Let me get myself together because my dad gave me a lot of emotions and I will <laughs> It's smile. okay. I've, I've been thanks, in the theater thanks, when Papa both of Steve. them were crying and oh. I was sitting in the middle of the two of you. It's <laughs> you guys were like We're really bad. <laughs> we're, so, we're so bad. You really don't want to see theater with my dad and I. It's, I mean, the tears will just, I mean, we are like gorillas. I don't, it's I terrible. Think so I'm going to, I'm going to, if, if everybody's listening like, oh, Colleen's going to come in. Number one, the language is not terrible. The language is – it's beautiful. It's expressive. It's uh, an open display of what we are all feeling inside that some of us can't connect to. You are showing us the beauty of feeling a full experience. Never apologize for your tears. Just like I would never tell a child to apologize because they're so excited they just saw Mickey Mouse. I'd be like, oh, you know what? Your tears are terrible. You shut that excitement down right now about Mickey Mouse and shove it right back in your eyeballs. The fact that you feel so deeply about your friendship that it brings you to tears is fucking gorgeous and deserves nothing but that kind of language to describe it because it's not about losing control. It's not about being too much. It's about being the expression of what we all feel but can't access. And you give us permission by expressing it to feel it deeper in our body. So please, for the love of God, cry and express and emote because it gives me permission to live a fuller, more expressive life. You you got it. It's just – it's going to blow out this microphone. I mean, I swear to you. Blow it. She's like, I'm really just trying to make sure. It's it's really <laughs> The bad. audio. I was so sitting – fun, fun story. I, I don't know if anybody knows the uh, play War Horse. Oh. They turned it into a movie. I saw it on Broadway though. It is so sad and beautiful. And for some reason, my brother had gotten my dad and I tickets. I don't know why you would do that to us. But we were we weren't even sitting together. We were separated. And I was in the first row and he was behind me. So we couldn't hold hands and like commiserate together. And so there I am. This actor's in front of me. They're giving me this beautiful monologue. I'm right there. And I am hysterically crying. I mean, like, I have to get away from the microphone because it's going to be so... (laughs) And they have to keep it together and I am... A mess. I, I'm hyperventilating. I can't breathe. My dad's behind me. He starts hyperventilating, can't breathe. I mean, it's really bad. When we get going, uh, it's, it's real, it's real rough. So... I just the, in my brain, the other half of Emily in that moment was like, "Don't blow out the audio. Don't do it." Because th- I'm a loud crier. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not silent. I'm not a princess. <laughs> I will feel it throughout my entire That's body. Great, so you my, must feel amazing when you're done. It is my I'm my I clients. I, you're like my clients are literally laughing on the other side of this. They're like, 
This is exactly what Colleen forces me to do or tries to force me to do every single session. I call it the ugly cry. It's the full release. Dude, my therapist, it's really she does it too. The only one I have. See? She'll be like, uh-uh, don't stop that. And then the worst is when she's we're talking, I'm getting to a point and she goes and like puts her hand on her heart yes, and like every leans time. in and like looks at me and I'm like <laughs> you know, it just it's like it's a mess because it's somebody giving you permission. Like yeah. I actually permission. found that when I'm really starting to feel worked up, Emily did it the other day and I almost lost my sauce. She was, I need to be told don't it's okay you're safe mm. that's it and oddly enough the gentleman i'm dating right now unbeknownst to him i was having a moment and he goes it's okay you're safe <gasps> and i did not tell him that this was something that i needed and i was like oh my god so it just a little shout out because it that's such an important phrase mm-hmm. and it's so I think and like being able to communicate that that's actually what I needed. I didn't even know that's what I needed, but a friend of mine did it and then like laid on top of me. We'd known each other since kindergarten, so she's like, "You're safe," and then just like full weighted it. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and and then um, I explained it to Emily. She did it. I was frustrated one day, and she mm. put her hand on my shoulder. And she went, "It's okay, you're safe," and mm. I was just like, <sighs> and then I gave her a big hug. She's like, "You're gonna be all right." That's it. Sometimes we just need to know like. We're safe to feel because yes. I think often in the world we're made to feel like it's not safe to feel and something's horribly wrong with you. Sometimes you just have emotions. Just let them come and go. Get on with your day. You know, it's like don't hold on to them and don't force them down. Just let them be there. Feel like a toddler. They'll get tired eventually. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. Emily, let yeah. us feel it, my dear. Well, now that I'm I'm over that wave <laughs> of um, you know, I let out my ugly cry back there. But yeah, so I think when Steph talks about it now, I just – I reflect back on things that we've been through, where we are now, where I see us in five years, where I see us in mm-hmm. 10 years, uh, where our business is, where our friendship is, where our lives mm-hmm. are. Um, and I have a lot of pride in how far mm-hmm. we've come. So I think it's just like immense amounts of pride and then like that little tinge of of regret like I wonder if this would have happened if I would have mm-hmm. done a b and c probably let me just mm-hmm. put your mind at ease yeah that I think yeah it was going to happen at some point yeah regardless. and I think yeah. the pandemic just yep. pushed it over yeah. the edge a little bit because mm-hmm. I even knew I mean anytime I tell the story to someone who's known me from the past they'll be like you an anxiety disorder Never would have guessed. And I'm like, okay, here, I got two middle ones here for you. <laughs> because I always displayed symptoms of just being very hypervigilant. But I also was trained to be like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm mm-hmm. fine. So, But now Emily will straight up just be like, breathe, take a break, mm-hmm. slow down. Like she's not afraid to use the language. So kudos yes. to you, my love. Yes. You've adapted and learned and grown. Well, you you taught me. But wait, you had asked another question and I'm curious, Emily, what's you what'd you burn down? My yeah, burn. What'd you, what'd burn you have to burn? I've I've had to burn a lot. Uh I am the youngest child of three. Both of my older siblings are men. And uh so being the only girl, uh being the youngest, 
there was a lot of things that I was told growing up and absolutely no shame on my parents. Our parents are only doing the best that they Mm -hmm. can. But my dad had a lot to say of how I should Mm -hmm. act and how I should be um, and what he wanted as a daughter. So I did a lot for that and was like, okay, I have to be this way to be accepted. I've always been weird and quirky. I mean, I was, you know, five years old and hanging out with 15 year olds because my brother's 10 years older than me, my oldest one. And like that to me was super normal. So Mm -hmm. I grew up really fast and I didn't have a lot of friends my age. Uh, And if I did bring a friend over, my dad would like watch us very carefully. And if he saw the fact that they were like, telling me what they wanted to do and not asking what I wanted to do, my dad would pull me aside and be like, you are never allowed to see that person again because he didn't like the fact that I was being taken advantage of by these people. So I just grew up in a like a weird, normal, in quotation marks, family like everybody, right? We all had our own ish. And so I grew up really believing that I had to fit into these certain boxes. And then I got to like high school and I let it out a little bit more. My weird, it would like kind of come through every now and again, but I was still straightening my hair. I put on makeup every day. I had to have the hot boyfriend. And then once college started, I did a summer theater program where I worked backstage and I met my two best friends, one of which just had a baby. Um, And that's amazing. And we were talking one day and one of my friends was like, why don't you just like let it out? And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you're, you're weird. You should just be weird. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. That would be too weird. (laughs) She was like, no, no, no. You should like really do this. I was like, who is this? I, I'll think about it. It's Sarah. Oh, okay. I always thank her for it. It's like the person that was like, it's okay. Be weird, little little bird. Yes. It's good. Um, and I was like, okay. And I thought about it and I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna try. So then sophomore year, that was my, my freshman year, summer. I went back to school sophomore year. I started to wear my hair curly, which I hadn't done. I just started to like be me. Mm-hmm. And if people didn't like it, then I did still like try and fit that box, especially in that friend group in college. I had a whole lot of like girlfriends that I lived with for many, many years. And I, my nickname was mom with them because I was the caretaker. I always have been. I am a nurturer. I want to help people. It's my love language is acts of service. Mm -hmm. So I took care of them. I was the DD. I would pick them up for parties, hold back their hair. I mean, like everything that I I would make them breakfast in the morning, everything that a mom would do, I took care of it for them. And then college ended. They never left college, like mentally. Mm. And I was like, I'm done with this. I am ready to move on. I went to grad school. I was surrounded by other artists that also wanted to like do this professionally. Yeah. And that were weird. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do more of this. So I started doing more and showing weird and more. And I got weirder. And, like, that's just who I am. And then 
grad school ended, I stopped talking to those girls on like a weekly, daily basis. I mean, they had like a text chain going and I would get like 300 text messages when I was in class and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I I just, I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't keep up. And then after a while, they just stopped including me on the text chain. I was like, I understand. I'm moving on. You have moved backwards. I don't really know. And I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Grad school ended. I was planning on moving away out of Florida and doing the acting thing elsewhere in Philly. Uh, I met my husband, though, so (laughs) that plan went to the shitter. Um, You burned it. Then – yeah, I burned I burned that plan. Uh, found a lovely man who accepted all my weirdness mm. instead, and puts more weirdness on top of oh. it. And uh, oh, the he's two of the them best. together I mean, are really, so bizarre, yeah. and it's fabulous. Mm. I'll just sit there and be like, "Wow, yeah, it's really good." Oh, Mom it. and dad, yeah, he knows exactly what I need. <laughs> it's it's great. It makes me very. He's happy. really good um, at like and put like he'll good. call her out on stuff it's yeah. it's amazing yeah no he's yeah. a great great yeah. he's guy. like did you take a break yet and i'm like no i haven't he's like great go sit down for 15 minutes because he knows i can't She's stop like, so he like okay yeah so he's really good about that um, right, I which will. i need yeah but then i think my biggest bridge was the pandemic mm-hmm. honestly i think it just kind of helped me shed all of these last little mm-hmm connections that I had to my past self where I was just serving others Mm -hmm. and not being free to be me. And I let go of a lot of friendships that didn't serve me anymore. And I still sometimes will like be like, oh, was that the right thing to do? But it was. Mm -hmm. And I moved forward. And now I'm just me. And I think teaching also was a big part of it because the pandemic happened. I was like, I need to make money. I got a teaching job at a college. And that was hugely crucial to my development, being a college teacher with these kids looking up to me as mentor, therapist, professor. That was huge because then like I just had this crazy awakening moment the other day in my class. And these three girls who are beautiful, like by the book definition of what pretty Mm -hmm. is, they would be there. These are girls that 15-year-old Emily would have died to be friends with. I mean, I would have given anything. If Ursula was there and she wanted my voice, I would have given it to her (laughs) to hang out with these girls. I mean, they were like the popular Mm -hmm. girls. And there I am. So they come up to me and they're just mesmerized. And they're like, oh, my God. We're so excited to take your class. They were really like speaking so highly of me. They were like, we can't wait to go Mm. on this journey. You you make it seem so fun. You're approachable, blah, blah, blah. And they walked away and I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. They want to be me. That's weird. That's super weird. It's wild, huh? And so I, yeah. And so it was just like totally eye-opening. And now I just don't give a shit. I mean, I literally love teaching my college kids. I like giving it to them straight. Mm -hmm. I tell them that we need to talk about things and we have conversations. And all of that is like reflected back on me and I get to impart my own wisdom and then take things away that I learned. So I'm 
I'm continuous. I'm like a sponge. Mm-hmm. I like to take Ooh. things in and uh, absorb new parts of myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I am still on that journey, but I have burned. I think that self-image yes. thing, that was that was holding me back for a long time. Yes. Ooh. I love I love a story of just like full self-ownership. Yeah. When you just, you know, it, it takes it takes time. You know, you're kind of like sloughing off the the pieces that somebody tried to put on you. Maybe yeah. it good-natured. Yeah father but like at at the same time that reclaiming of your full uninhibited self is just so terrifying and extremely rewarding because when you step into those spaces and you really fully own who that person is it's almost like I think about it it's like the universe co-creates with you like to just Mm -hmm. continue to put things in your life and when you take that misstep or you you make that decision that's out of alignment or is based on a past fact of what you thought you should be, you know, you get that stop sign. And I think when we're talking about manigen energy as well, your job is to kind of like figure out those edges. Like really mm-hmm. what is what is the edge for you here? Okay, there it is. Now I take a step here and then I go here and I take a step here. As a generator, I'm like the immovable mountain. I just like go down this one path of mastery and I'm like, this is me. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I love, I love watching that self-ownership of, of who we're supposed to be and the energy we're supposed to bring because it makes the world just such a like safe place to be in. Mm-hmm. Those those young ladies felt yeah. so safe to be themselves because you are like fully encapsulating what it looks like to be yourself. And so they want to feel that inside. And that is just so beautiful yeah. to have it reflected back to you and have you experience that. So I appreciate you sharing. Oh, you do that, Emily. You're, yeah. That's, I mean, the, you're so yourself. That's something I always praise her on because mm-hmm. it's something that I've discovered more recently is like Emily just always had this secure sense of who she was from the day that I met her. And mm-hmm. she never wavered. She never changed. It was never, very rarely would you see her insecure. And it was never about her and the way that she presented herself, it was about other stuff, mm-hmm. but it like, it was so, cause she met me at a place where I wasn't like what you see now is what I've always wanted to be, mm-hmm. but I wasn't there yet. And I was too afraid to be there. And so I would say that she was a very intricate part in one of the people I surrounded myself with that gave me permission to just like do whatever you want. Like I wanted to cut my hair short. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very afraid to do it. And she was one of the first person. I was like, "What do you th- should I keep it a little longer?" She goes, "Cut it short, short, go for it." She and what's gonna happen? And I did it, and it was the first time. Like this is the shortest I've ever gone, but like mm-hmm. prior to my hair was like past my boobs, and I like wow. did it up to the tip of my shoulders, and that was huge. That was mm-hmm. scary for me, but like I felt so confident because I had somebody hyping. She saw it. She's like, oh my God, you look so good. And like, that's what you need. You need people. Yeah. She called me when I was naked in the shower. Yeah, today. I showed her I today. I was like, what do you think? Because <laughs> yeah. I was a hair model. Yes. I would have never sat down and been like, chop it off. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah. So I gotta, I always give kudos to Emily for that because it's it's very inspiring to be around and it's also great for kids to see too and mm-hmm. I know for her her students respect her immensely because of it absolutely what a leadership position I hope so I hope they they leave I think so yeah I, also I your hair it's, it's everyone's difficult. like college kids are hard what my hair oh yeah I mean anytime we're out people are like my god that hair stunning like mm-hmm. she's a showstopper yeah. I kind of can't miss me in a room. I mean, I don't have ugly <laughs> friends, <hair>. so. <laughs> no. 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, ladies. Okay, so if someone is listening and they're like, I I want to hear these women talk more. I want to know what they're about. I want to get into the nitty gritty with them. How can they find you? What are you doing? I love this question because I ask this question on our show. You can find us over at www.cyclechats with an S. Com. We have a newsletter that you can sign up for. We just started launching. It'll give you kind of a play-by-play of what we've accomplished mm-hmm. in the past month and what you can look forward to. It'll also let you know about some of our partnerships that we have with non-for-profits, which is very, very important to us. We are partnered with one currently. So if you go to our website, you can go to our store and you can either support us with the merch that we have or purchase something that 75% of the proceeds go to that non-for-profit. So it's just something I want to put out there. But if you want to listen to our show and you want to get in touch Mm -hmm. with us, we do have a button there on the website that'll take you right to our our stuff. You can also find us on pretty much any streaming platform that has a podcast. We're also on YouTube where we do a show called Chit Chats and that's just the two of us. There's also a video. So if you want to see our faces, you can do that. Um, And we're on Instagram. That's where we're the most active Mm-hmm. And you can message us cycle chats again with an S, all mm-hmm. lowercase, no space. And when we say DM us, we mean it. We don't, we're not just like DM us and then like never answer. We really mean it. It's like DM us. We absolutely love, adore talking with people and having like educated conversation. So yeah, I, I think that's everything. Emily, do you have any, was that it? Yeah, no, that you hit all the major Amazing. things. Not, not for profits, mm. our Instagram, and our a tic- And TikTok. Yeah, We're no. slowly building up our TikTok, but we've got some really, really fun, fun adventures coming up, I think. Yeah, I just came up with a great so. idea. I don't understand TikTok. We should, I think we we're should gonna follow be, each other because I'm brand new on TikTok that. too. It's hilarious. It's yeah. I don't. I don't get it. Stephanie can scroll on it for three hours. <laughs> yeah. I literally I time like, travel. I don't get this. I don't <laughs> understand. It's it so. is an entertaining space, especially like the algorithm can take you to some strange places. So oh, I sometimes am, I, I can yeah. tell what my mental health is by the algorithm, and I'm like, okay, we got to get off this app now. I got to go yep. touch grass. Yes, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> It's so true. Oh, it has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you coming on, getting real with me, talking about what's really put you in the position today to be the leaders that you are. I am so excited for my listeners to go check out your podcast because they're going to learn so much. And just to have two women who have been through it, who've gotten real, and who are really living the life of authenticity, you know, like that's amazing to witness and to be a part of. So thank you so, so much for being on the show. Thank you. This was great. And thank you for making it a very comfortable space for us. So we do have to have to give that back to you because you give you shout out. You made it very easy to share. I actually a couple times forgot we were even in an interview to remind myself because I was like looking down. I was listening like, you know, like I was on a phone call and I was like, wait a second. (laughs) We're on a video call. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're we're excited to have you on our show at the end of this month. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Oh, okay. I will put all of their amazing stuff in the show notes, but thank you so much for being on. And until next time, we will uh, continue to let the rest burn. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today. To be inspired, to be seen, and to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. 
Look at the show notes for more information. Like and subscribe and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn. Burn.